Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. And help me welcome our internet family if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Pastor Tony had mentioned the Christmas Day webcast. I want to encourage you to do that. It's only four and a half hours long. And uh, no, it's, about, it's going to be about 15 minutes or so. And I think it'd just be a wonderful way uh, to come into your home on that day and gather your family and friends and so forth. And we want to share some wonderful things and music with you on that day. So there'd be good stuff right there. Well, we're in a series called What on Earth Am I Here For? And um, this is a big question, you know, because if we don't know our meaning and our purpose, and so many people are looking for that meaning, they're looking for purpose in their life. As I've shared with you before, that if we don't know the purpose of something, we tend to misuse it or not use it at all, or use it in such a way that it kind of wears it out. And uh, we have stories right here today, you know, you've worn out parts of your life, relationships in your life or whatever, because we got off of meaning, got off of purpose. So it's so absolutely vitally important that we find out why am I here? Why am I here? Do I matter? Does this count? Do I count? You know, am I just a leftover, uh, you know, like cookie dough? I'm just the leftovers and make something weird out of it and cook it too, you know? Um, no, we matter. You matter. Every one of us do. We're, and, and God has uh, some incredible meaning, incredible purpose for every one of us today. So there are specifics of that that we won't be able to get into because that's between you and God. But I think there's some general things and some direction I want to take you in in the series so that all of us can find um, where do we find our meaning, where do we find our purpose. And, of course, those things are found in God and they're found in his word. Let me just real quickly to review, let's go back to Psalm 100. Psalm 100, and it says, Know that the Lord, know here means to recognize, to acknowledge that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. My takeaway for that is God is God. He made me. I belong to him and he takes care of me. That's pretty much all you need to know. So I want you to say this with me this morning. God is God. He made me. I belong to him. He takes care of me. Now, all of that in mind, then what on earth am I here for? I'm here for him. If he made me, I belong to him. He takes care of me. I'm here for him. I'm here for what he wants. You're here for what he wants. Quicker you surrender to to that, the better. And it's a good surrender. And I want to bring glory and I want to bring honor with my life. And then last week we asked the question again, what on earth am I here for? And We kind of answered it in this way. I'm here to belong in God's family. It's very clear. You already know this. And then we see it clearly from Scripture. Just a little shallow dive into Scripture and we come up with at least three reasons why it's not good to be isolated. It's not good for man to be alone. It's not wise. It's not safe. And the enemy's going to pick off anybody. He's going to pick you off if you're hanging around the edges. You're on the fringe. You're off by yourself. You become easy prey in in that way. And so it's not good, not wise, not safe to be alone. And then I want to go a little further today and ask the question again, what on earth am I here for? 
And um, here's our answer. To become more like Jesus. Go ahead and read the answer with me. To become more like Jesus. Now let's be honest, okay? Let's be honest. What on earth am I here for? And here, listen to the answers I gave you. I'm here for God. I'm here to be in God's family. I'm here to become more like Jesus. It sounds so religious. These are the the authenticated, uh, qualified Sunday school answers to that question, what on earth am I here for? But I want us to be able to push past that. Don't let it become trite. Don't let it become cliche. Let's get the real meaning of this. And that's what we try to do every time we're together. But what on earth am I here for? And this one, this one is very powerful. The, The others are as well. I get so excited about the message every week. So I'm excited every week. So, but I'm super excited about this today. What on earth am I here for to become more like Jesus? So let's kind of see what we're we're looking at here today. About 2,000 years ago, um, Jesus came and we're celebrating Christmas. We celebrate Christmas and understand Christmas to be this. It's the celebration of the entrance of our Savior into the world. Easter, uh, Christmas makes no sense without Easter. So we know how to kind of put that all together. But about 2,000 years ago, Jesus finished his earthly ministry. He was crucified. He was buried. He rose again from the dead. And then about six weeks later, a post-resurrection. Jesus was on the earth about another six weeks, sharing the things of the kingdom, checking on some folks, getting things ready, and then he ascended into heaven. After that, he, just before he left, he said, hey, don't go anywhere. Don't try to even do the things I taught you until the Holy Spirit comes and helps you. And so then we had what is called the day of Pentecost. And that's when the, the inbreaking of the Holy Spirit into, into our realm. And when that happened, a birth took place. And that's what we refer to as the birth of the church. That was the beginning of Christianity. And so you had these early believers, this early church gathering. And uh, they were originally called the way, the way, because Jesus is the way. And they realized that their job was not to go around pointing out what everybody was doing wrong. Their, their job was rather to point to a better way, to point to Jesus who is the way, to point to the, the way that leads to peace and leads to God and leads to life. Well, in Acts eleven twenty six, the leaders in Antioch, which was... Syria, the, the leaders trying to refer to these, this group of these believers, that's when they were first called Christians, Christians. And it wasn't a compliment at that point. It wasn't this well thought out, you know, name that we'll put on them. It was almost like a nickname to start with. And what they were trying to do is just to distinguish this group, this, uh, from all the other groups and sects, sex, S-E-C-T-S, okay? I've watched some of y'all look. What do you say? Glad I got you in now. Um, but the other sects and groups of people, and particularly the Jews, and so they were just referring to them as Christians, and it literally in that setting meant the, the Christ ones, the Christ followers, those that are kind of loyal and organized around Christ, his teachings, that kind of life. And although originally they meant it as kind of a nickname, those early believers took it as a charge and said, we are Christ ones. We are 
Christ followers. Fast forward all the way to today, we've been under that label Christians, Christianity, for about 2,000 years. It's not always said lovingly. And in our culture today, well, is that a Christian this or they're Christians or, or whatever? It's not always does it have a good connotation to it. And what we want to do is what did it originally mean? How do we carry this out? Let's go back to our question again. What on earth am I here for? Is to become more and more like Jesus. Not churchy, not religious, but like Jesus. Can you bob your head on that one? All right. We'll work harder in a minute. So, in the book of Genesis, we find, and I want to build a little bit of a case here. In the book of Genesis, we find that God created man in his likeness and image. So, his original design is we would be like him. Not that we would be God's but that we would be like God, that we would have the family traits, that we would have his character, his nature about us, that what's important to him would be important to us. And so we were created, original design, in his likeness and his image. Well, we know now that that image is distorted in us through sin, through time. Um, Go back to Adam and Eve, you know, and that was some of the fresh prototypes When they tried to be what they were not, they became less of what they were. So when they tried to be God, they became less of what they were created to be. You and I, that's our problem. We are all less of what we were created to be. That's why we have to get back to original design. That's why we have to find out why am I here and get back to this, to becoming more and more like Jesus, created in his likeness and in his image. In Galatians chapter 4, the apostle Paul writes, My little children, that's us, for whom I labor in birth, again, until Christ is formed in you. Paul is saying, I'm working super hard at something. I'm working on the same thing Paul is. He said, I'm working super hard. He, the best way he could describe it, I'm working like a lady having a baby. And uh, I've never delivered a baby, but I've been there. And I was glad I was just there. <laughs> Any moms in the house today? Okay. So this is labor like you wouldn't believe. And Paul is saying, I'm working as hard as I know how. I'm trying to describe how hard I'm working. What is he working toward? He's working until Christ is formed in us. Look at it in the message paraphrase here. Do you, not, do you know how I feel right now and will feel until, here's what he's working toward, Christ's life becomes visible in your lives. How do I feel? I feel like a mother in the pain of childbirth, working so hard. I will do whatever it takes. I'll stay with it as long as it takes until Christ's life becomes visible in our lives. Amen. Amen. Now, Christ formed in us. Christ's life visible in our lives. I want that. I want people to see some Jesus in me. I want people to see Jesus in you. Well, that got quiet. (laughs) Not religion, not weirdness, Jesus. That's what the world needs. What on earth are we here for? Part of our meaning and purpose is to become more and more like Jesus. My question is always why? 
was a little kid, I probably got in trouble a lot for just wanting to know why. Why do I have to brush my teeth? Why do I have to wash my hands? Why do I have to stand still in line? You know, all of these things, why? And today it still helps us to know the, the why of this. Why, why do I want to become more and more like Jesus? Short, two quick answers here. First of all, I just think it is the best way to live. It's just the best way to live. To follow Jesus, to take on his mission, to take on his character, to take on his help. It's just the best way to live. The greatest teachings ever on the planet come from him. The peace, the purpose, the help, the hope that comes with this. And I promise you, you can look anywhere in our culture, anywhere, from politics to academia to wherever you want, and you look and you find any principle, any truth that is working and benefiting people, you can trace it back to God's truths. So this is the best way to live, best way to live. But what I want to focus on today is why do I want to become more and more like Jesus? Here we go. Here's the big answer to help others to see God, to help others to see God. So look with me in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Are you there? All right. Colossians 1, verse 15. He, Jesus, is the image. This New Testament Greek word right here is icon, icon. I could show you icons today of different businesses or teams or organizations, and you kind of get the idea. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. The Amplified Bible says he is the visible representation of the invisible. So we want to help others to see God. We want to help others to see God. Well, we got a couple problems, though, okay? First one, he's invisible. So how are we going to help people to see the invisible God? Well, Jesus is the visible representation of the invisible God. So the more of him that's in me, hopefully that helps people to see God. The second thing is, Jesus is the visible representation. The other problem with showing people God, people being able to see God, is that God has had some misrepresentations of him. I'm thinking back to second grade, for example. And my teacher, uh, back then we did not have air conditioning. And we had, along one wall, we had just our cubby holes you know, where you put your stuff there, your lunch boxes and so forth. And the rest of the wall, all the way to the ceiling and from wall to wall were windows. And we'd pull those windows open, you know, during, during uh, uh, hot days or so forth. And I can remember closing those windows because a storm was coming and it was clouding up. And here's what my teacher would say. You ready? It's all cloudy because God is angry at children. So one day I mumbled to my buddy, I think he's angry at teacher. <laughs> she said, Timmy, did you have something to say? I said, yeah, uh, no, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. Angry God, angry God. And a lot of people grow up with this angry God kind of thing. I remember um, being a preteen. Our family was part of a church, and that church split and went through all kinds of garbage that churches are not supposed to. It it should not be happening in God's family. And I remember we were coming to church, and I was hating it anyway. And there were 
three or four old guys hanging around that looked like a deep sea fish. (laughs) And one of them grabbed me by the back of the neck. How many of you just love that anyway, you know? Son, you give your heart to Jesus, you can be just like us. That next day, I went and joined the Pirates. It's like, I don't want anything to do with that. So here's part of our problem with seeing God. He's been misrepresented so much. And he's invisible. How are we going to see him? How are we going to see him? Jesus is the exact likeness. Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 4, verse 4. Satan, who is the God of this world, let me qualify, whose world is this? God's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world's system, follow the whole story, the world's system right now is under the sway of the devil. Satan, who is the God of this world, watch, has blinded the minds, we'll come back to that, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So you know what? Why do they not believe? Because their mind has been blinded. I'll I'll show you in just a second. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ. Look at this. Who is the exact likeness of God. The uh, message paraphrase says, Jesus is the best picture of God we'll ever get. So what happens? The devil has blinded the minds. This word right here actually means to obscure. It doesn't mean that you can't see it all. It just means that it's not clear. It's vague. It's hard to make out. I can't understand. I can't see really what it is. And so the devil, if we can say one good thing about the devil, it's this. He's diligent. And he works so hard to just get this obscured. What obscured? This exact likeness of God so that we could see the goodness, so that we could understand the message, so that we could believe. And so that's what he works on. So what, what's at stake here is being able for, for people to be able to see God. Jesus is the exact likeness of God. Again, Jesus is the best picture of God we'll ever get. Look in John chapter 14. Jesus said, he who has seen me, help me out has seen the Father. So, why are we here? Why are we here? To become more and more like Jesus. Why? Because if they could see Jesus, they could see God. They could see the Heavenly Father that they all need. So if we're going to help people to see Jesus, if we're going to clear this up for them a little bit, make it a little easier to see, you and I must become more and more like Jesus. Can I get an amen from the church today on this? We we do not need to become more religious. This is not about having more services and singing more songs and preaching more sermons and launching more campuses and writing more books or anything else. None of that matters at all if the goal of it is not to help you and I become more and more like Jesus. If the people coming in and out of this door week after week, if we're not becoming a little more like Jesus all the time, then I don't know why we're even doing this. But this is our goal. I'm laboring like a lady having a baby. 
Everything here is laser focused on that is our entire goal is we want you. We want me. I want the preacher to become more like Jesus. I want you to become more like Jesus because it's the best way to live. And then others might could see God and they need to see God and see his goodness. Amen. So that's everything that we're focused on, becoming more and more like Jesus. In Romans 8, 29, it says that God's predetermined plan was that you and I would be conformed until God's, the image of God's son. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. If you imitate, what do you do? You don't make fun of, you, you follow, you copy. And if we're going to imitate Christ, we want to follow, we want to copy his behavior, his attitude, his motivations, even his words. I want to show you something I want you to pretend or just, just act like you've never seen this before and it means the world to you. Okay, ready? W-W-J-D. This will, this will help you to do this. W-W-J-D. In case you don't know, in case you just moved to the earth, <laughs> it means what would Jesus do? All right, now stay with me just for a moment. Let's just get super simple. You just need to ask yourself that. I had several things even in the last week, last two weeks, and my lightning fast mind said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to say this. You know, or, or we could do this or not do this. And then you just need to slow down just enough to say, but what would, what would Jesus do? And if you determine, you know what, that's what I'm going to do because I want to be more and more like him because that's the best way to live and that's the only chance anybody might be able to see God through my life. And then it will start to show up. Jesus will start to show up in your values and in your words and in your attitude and in your motivation and how you treat other people and your compassion, your generosity and so forth. He'll start to show, all, he'll start to show up more and more. So to become like Jesus, for you and I to become more and more like Jesus, do you know what that is? That's everything we're focused on is to help you move from where you are to where God wants you to be. And so to become more and more like Jesus, I would put this all in one category that I want to call spiritual growth. Everybody say it, spiritual growth. Now understand, spiritual and practical are linked, but spiritual precedes it. There was spiritual before there was ever material. And so spiritual affects everything else. You know, you're gonna prosper as you prosper in your soul. As it goes well on the inside, that's gonna impact what's on the on the outside. And so spiritual growth must take place. Now, if you and I are going to get better, if we're going to do better, if we're going to be better, we're going to have to grow spiritually. We're going to have to keep moving along on this journey, moving from where I am to where God wants me to be. So quickly, how does spiritual growth take place? I've minimized this. I've summarized this. I've boiled this down as simple as I can make it. Here we do. Here's what you do. You do what the Bible says to do. This, everything's coming down to this this morning, okay? We're coming right down to this point. Do what the Bible says to do. Everybody say that. And secondly, walk with God. That was really weak. Right, let's do it all together. Ready? There you are. Okay. So do what the Bible says to do and walk with God. Now let's break this down a little bit prerequisite to do what the Bible says to do is I'm going to have to know what the Bible says to do. How am I going to do that? 
There you go. You answered that on your own. Good, good job. I'm going to have to read it. I'm going to have to find out. I'm going to have to study. I'm going to have to be taught. And we are living in the greatest day ever on this planet to be able to understand the Bible. We have so many helps and aids to help us. If you have a smartphone, a tablet, and if you don't have one, Christmas is coming, okay? Because there's so many ways to help you. And, and to help you to just understand God's word because I, I want to know what the Bible says to do. Look at this real quick in 2 Corinthians 3. It's a big verse. It's in the Amplified Bible. And all of us, say that's me, as with unveiled face, because now it's kind of cleared up for me, because we continued to behold in the word of God, I'm going to do what the Bible says, do continue to behold in the word of God. Behold means, it doesn't mean glance at, it means I'm, I'm looking at this, I'm looking into this, I'm continuing in this, in the word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord's, uh, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured and being changed into his very own image, icon, getting back to what I'm supposed to be in ever-increasing splendor. It's getting better and better. And from one degree of glory to another degree of glory, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. As we look into God's Word, as we endeavor to do what the Bible says to do and find out what it says to do and how to do it. And it's not just a book of do's and don'ts, all right? It's telling you how to live, what gives life, what takes life away. I'm going to do what the Bible says to do. And you know what happens as I do that? I start to be changed by degree, better and better, more and more into his image. Amen. But here's where I want you to look also. Walk with God. Everybody say walk with God. If you walk with God, you got to walk with God's people. You got to walk into God's house. You've got to walk out God's mission. Because you know what? You become like who you walk with. You become like who you walk with. Now, by walking with somebody, I'm talking about that you, you're in companionship with them. You stay with them. They're part of your life. I'm walking with God. Go ahead and say it. I'm walking with God. We have a, a couple of neighbors. Our uh, next door lady, her name's Sally. And then a lady around the corner, her name is Chris. And they walk together every day, if not... If not once, twice, every day. They've been doing it for a couple of years. And here's, here's the thing about them. Um, now, because they walk together, you become like who you walk with. As they walk together, they have the same pace. This would not work out if they had different paces. But over the course of time, you adjust your pace. You, you kind of walk like them. I'll pass them and wave at them, and guess what they'll do? They'll both wave in the same way. <laughs> right? Their gait is kind of the same. Now they're almost kind of the same size even. And you know what? On occasion, I'll stop and roll down my window because they're wearing the same thing. And I'll go, we got uniforms. <laughs> you become like who you walk with. You know what else? You become like who you talk with. Alicia's dad turned 91 this past week on Wednesday. Yeah. He lives, he lives in Georgia. So my wife can get on the phone with Georgia, and in a little bit, Georgia starts to come out of my wife. And the conversation starts out as daddy, and by the end of it, it's diddy. When the kids were little, they thought, why is mom talking on the phone with diddy? That would make sense to some of y'all. 
You become like who you walk with. You become like who you talk with. And you know what? It's from one degree, one degree to the next degree. True progress is a process. It's a process. This is not a pass-fail. You've got to have this down. You better have this down by 3 o'clock Tuesday. That's the rest of our life. The rest of our life, a little bit, a little bit, here a little, there a little, continuing, growing. I'm so thankful it's not pass-fail. I'm so thankful that it's not trying. It's training. And we're to work. And we're to work hard and allow time and consistency. And for all of our inconsistencies, every morning God's mercies are new. Every morning. And in essence, he's saying, come on, let's go try it again. Let's try again. Let's, make a, let's get another degree of progress just every day. And he works with us and he works in us in that way. And sometimes, you know, there are some that say with spiritual things, there is no work. Well, let's be real clear. Effort has nothing to do with your salvation. That's all on what Jesus did for us. And that's just accepting what he has done. But effort has much to do with your spiritual growth and your spiritual progress. Nine times, nine times in the New Testament, it says make every effort. Make every effort. Make every effort, church, to do what the Bible says to do. And make every effort to walk with God. And you won't even have to be trying to let people see Jesus in you. Jesus will be more and more formed in you. His image will be becoming more and more clear in you day by day by day. Let's put out the effort. Let's continue to be consistent in this. Let's ask God to help us to do this, that we do what the Bible says to do. Say it. Do what the Bible says to do. And walk with God. And you know what's going to happen with that? People are going to be able to see more and more of Jesus in you. And when they see Jesus, they're going to be able to see more of our Heavenly Father. Amen. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.